Welcome to the Antidote Club podcast. I'm Tamsin. I'm here with Gillian, and we are back with another episode um, with a client story for you. We are loving doing these client stories. We are enjoying like talking to people who have been through this work and kind of they sharing their journey with us and and with you to kind of help you understand like all the different things that come up around food and body and all the different experiences that we all have, but all kind of pointing towards the same thing, right? Mm. Um, and today we have Sam on the podcast and she is an ex-client of Jillian's. And I didn't know anything about her story other than, you know, a little bit about what we spoke before the episode, but it was yeah, so interesting, right? About some of the themes. Yeah, what she really spoke to, and it's been a while. I mean, Sam and I started working together. I think she said 2019. It's mm. been a while since we um, you know, have spoken. It was so nice to see her and be reminded of um so much of the stuff that she came into this process with. She speaks a lot about militant control around yeah. food in her body, so much morality um tied up in her ability to control her she talks a lot about the validation that she got from her her ability I say this I say this during the conversation I've never met anyone that had that knew more about food and had such strong opinions and judgments about what it meant to not be able to control these things yeah um she was fascinating to work with and I you know as always learn as much about myself in this process um when coaching clients than than you know as the clients do about themselves but um we got into themes around patriarchy and value in how we look and where that stemmed from in her um, and just how she found the process of coaching and how she yeah. used to come into sessions and fight with me. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but she also talked, what I found really interesting um, because it's actually a subject that I want to dive into in, a, in another episode. I know I haven't mentioned it before, but I'm, this is me telling you now. I it's, it's talking about the kind of like alternative therapies and mm. like, um, hypnotherapy and naturopath, I think she was, was describing. And there was so many of those that she spent so much money on um mm-hmm. and the things that happened in those with those sort of said professionals is quite frightening to me and I would really love to do like to pull that out and do a separate episode on that at some point because I think there were so many of us and I've done this in the past as well it's gone down those routes of like just almost like desperation of just like I've yeah. got to find something that works and there's no one more willing to say yes I can help you than you know somebody like you know who can just take some money and say I can sell you this this cleanse this drink this 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 you know mindset cd or whatever it is and and lo and behold it doesn't do that it doesn't work and it was very it's it's very interesting I think that part of it I found very fascinating that she was talking about and when we unpack that in our sessions there's so much grief right when you Mm. when you when you get to this place of every one of those professionals was in fact taking me further away from trusting myself and making me believe that actually there was something fundamentally wrong with me um and that is really so so sad um it it is so misguided and and as Sam discovered wasn't wasn't helpful for her her process so she's had a a lot of undoing and a lot of unlearning to do and 
oh she's come so far so far it was so great I wish we could almost do these interviews kind of like before we as people start coming into this work at the beginning of this process yeah and then speak to them again at the end because (laughs) that shift in just the understanding of themselves and the their actual posture physical and energetic Mm. posture of being comfortable with who they are is mm. incredible to see. So I I can't wait for everyone to hear Sam's story because um she really is one in a million. Yeah, I think you're gonna get loads out of this episode. So yeah, let's head to the head to the actual episode. <laughs> Enjoy. Welcome to the podcast, Sam. We are so pleased to have you here to share your story. Um I don't know much about your story. This is the first time we've met. You are a client ex-client of Jillian's, I believe. And you met Gillian um, some time ago when you were kind of diving into, you know, this kind of work around food and body. Um, So I'd love to start with that, if that's possible, like when you met Gillian and started working with her, where you were with food and your body, like your own story from that point. Yeah, um, I met Gillian, um, I think it would be about 2019. I accidentally met Gillian. I'd gone to, um, I lived on the west coast of Scotland at the time. And the personal circumstances around um, my life at that time, I was comfort eating. And I just felt so out of control. And I'd actually gone to um, an event in Edinburgh that it, it wasn't Gillian's event. It was an event that when I read into it, it kind of, it promised, um, it was about in- intuitive eating and it promised some, some freedom from the um, from diet culture. And at that point, I, I, at that point, I felt like I'd exhausted every available option. I'd had hypnotherapy, um, I'd been in Weight Watchers, um, I'd, ha- I'd paid extensive, extortionate amounts of money to a PT, you know, cyclical weight loss. And it just occurred to me that what if I actually don't want to sign up for any of those things anymore? So I went off to a, an intuitive eating. Um, it was a seminar, I think it was. Mm-hmm. And um, Gillian was actually, she came in um, to the event. And I remember thinking, and this was when I was full of ignorance and judgment and um, huge fat phobia and real self-hatred, real passionate self-hatred, like I am the problem, my weight is the problem. And in walks this lady who's Gillian, and she just had this energy about her that was confident. She she didn't apologize for her presence. She came in, she was... Um, very strong, very educated, clearly knew the work. And I thought, um, I was sitting at the conference and I thought, I think that I'm more drawn to you than I am to how this has been presented on this occasion. So I did a little bit of, um, I think it's like Instagram stalking and found Gillian and, um, made contact and actually when I did the when I'd found who she was I was like I'm gonna reach out here and I reached out to Gillian and I actually said I actually thought I'm gonna sign up for a few sessions and see what happens and at the start of the first session I thought no this isn't gonna work this isn't what you're gonna trust me you're gonna teach me to trust my own instinct 
nah, I'm 40 odd years of um, self-flagellation, good luck. And in my head, I kind of wished it good luck in the challenge. <laughs> and here we are. She loves the challenge. <laughs> Could you, Sam, speak a little bit to when you came into, um, and I love the skepticism around <laughs> the first session. Did you come into that first session with the kind of threads of thought of this might actually be once I restore my relationship with food, this might be actually what, what helps me lose weight? Yeah. I thought I came into um, I came into the first session with you as I'd done the conference when I met you. I came into the first session with you with the real heartfelt hope that this was the last chance, hurrah! That maybe you could teach me how to trust my body that would then make me lose weight, yeah. and I still all the way through the sessions I still argued with the fact but how is that going to make me lose weight and I actually I I held that back sometimes until you said it's okay to still want to lose weight yeah we need Mm -hmm. to talk about it right Mm -hmm. there's no point in holding that back uh we need to talk about that desire and where Mm. it comes from and what what the hopes and the desires are for it right um and go through that grief but your story is so different from um, a lot of folks that I work with because your dedication and commitment to dieting and body modification was so, I mean, if it wasn't so fucked, it would be completely commendable, right? And it is commendable because you, you, can you tell us a bit about it? Yeah. <laughs> Exactly as you've said, Jillian, literally, if it wasn't so fucked, it, it's actually hilarious. Yeah. Looking back now, the lengths that I have gone to in order to not just lose weight, but completely reinvent myself physically, change in shape, not just um, a, a number, to actually... Um, I've done things like I signed up with a personal trainer and I start I started to bodybuild um, to the point where I reduced my body fat to such a low level that of course my shape had changed, but my whole life had changed. Mm-hmm. Um, there was no, there was never any, there was never any um throughout every part it's throughout every method that I have used to modify my body and reinvent myself as a person I have never ever stopped to question what would happen at the end so um I joined I remember joining I joined Weight Watchers as soon as I was legally able to um I have been to a hypnotist who said to me, looking back when I went to see that hypnotist, I wasn't even, I wasn't even in a bad way, but she said to me, you would be so beautiful if you weren't fat. And she said those words to me. Um, I paid uh, thousands of pounds to hypnotize me to eat one meal a day to the point where you would feel physically ill if you considered anything else. Um, 
I joined, I signed up with a personal trainer, but I sought the best personal trainer in the whole of the area. And um, I had to have him and it, it was, and I recognized that the, the privilege in this, but it came at a huge cost and I didn't care what I had to do to find the money to pay for, um, to pay for this. And I, as I say, I started to body build, um, I did body conditioning. Um, I've sent myself, I've, I phoned my husband from a coach from Malaga Airport on the way to And the Andalusian Mountains, where I would go on this week long retreat with a naturopath where we drank a litre of oil with um, crushed garlic and grated ginger in order to cleanse our livers. I, I've had, um, I would go for colonic irrigations after every weekend in case there was something in my body that was inflammatory, therefore causing weight gain. I've signed up with a naturopath, a, 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 you know, um, I don't know if qualified is the word, I've signed up with a naturopath, very accredited naturopath, and again, spent tens of thousands of pounds cleansing, and I'm using the air codes, cleansing my body. But with that came such such a fucked up mental such such a fucked up view on food and people um during that during that time i remember remember specifically think seeing people in larger bodies and thinking well they can't be in enough pain to do anything about it my judgment fed my, my aloofness and judgment it it was painful it was utterly painful I never ever felt good enough I never ever felt like I belonged I didn't know who I was I didn't know where my place in the world was and I thought that by reinventing myself to become the person that it, it and other person wanted that would be the answer Mm, and I, you know, thinking back to like what you were saying about, you know, your bodybuilding kind of time and when you're doing all this stuff, you know, I'm curious what's happening around you. Is there praise? Is there validation for what you're doing in huge, terms of? Yeah, huge validation at every stage. We're, t- we're talking quite significant amounts of weight being lost and then gained with more. Mm-hmm. And with every with every new morphing myself into this new person came different hairstyles different hair colors um huge adoration huge validation and it was all external it was all external and realistically when you look back Tamsin that validation was being paid for because I was paying these people to Mm -hmm. and again air quotes help me achieve a goal but without without giving them the information or without them asking is yeah. there an eating disorder here? Is there an issue here? Mm. And then I would get to the goal. I'm very, very goal-driven. And in case you hadn't have guessed already, quite obsessive, hugely obsessive. And if I set my mind to something, it's it's happening. And I will bend spoons in order to make that happen. Mm-hmm. And when it goes awry, it's great in business, but when it goes awry in my personal life, things suffer huge Mm. things I didn't I wouldn't drink alcohol eat wheat or dairy um or carbs for two years and in that time as you can imagine I was absolutely intolerable but I wouldn't have it yeah 
Yeah. yeah. And all these people that were supposedly in air quotes helping you, um, you know, at no point is anyone saying to you, no, your body is not broken. You are not broken. You're just, you're just a human being living and, and you need to eat. They're actually reinforcing this idea that there is something wrong and they can fix you and that you, that you are in fact broken, aren't they? Because then at no point are they saying, oh, hang on a minute, I need to delve a little bit deeper about what's going on. Or, um, you know, do you even need this? They're not asking that question. No, at, at no point. What is that? The, the, the one, one of the particular professionals that um, I paid a significant amount of money in order to help me achieve a goal that I set with that person said, when your weight loss, when sorry, when your fat loss slows, I need you to make a list of foods that you do not like in order to, we will put those into your diet when your weight loss slows. When your fat loss starts to slow, we will shock your body by feeding it. And on my list was awful, liver, etc. And they said, yeah, we'll eat liver when we'll give your body a shock. And looking back at that, I think, God, like. Uh, it's so violent. It is. It's, it's, it's like, let's let's do everything that your body doesn't want us to do. And then when that stops, like, quote unquote, working, we'll do more things. Like, there's no building of body trust there, is there? It's like everything your body is telling you it wants to do. Like, don't trust it and go the opposite way. That's yeah. That's, yeah. that's basically what I'm hearing. Yeah. The violence. Jillian's right. The violence and the aggression with which I have treated my body. And I'm so sorry for doing that to her. I'm so sorry that I have put her through what I have. And it's only now that I'm starting to have just that little bit more softness, but it's, it's, I mean, we're talking nearly five decades of self-flagellation abuse. Can you speak a bit about what this process then has been like for you? Um, And I smiled when you reminded me of like when you said, I'm an obsessive goal-oriented person, because I remember in our sessions, one of the things that you found really hard to grasp, and I think this is common among dieters and black and white thinkers is, but how then do I know that I'm doing this well? How do I know then that I'm succeeding? Because there's no metrics to judge it against right and you're such a metrics driven person um because it's that that tells you you're on the right track you're headed you're headed towards something so we had to work really hard to try and define like what did success look like out with um metrics and it and it came from a, a more felt sense right um but we uncovered all kinds of things around identity around who you are out with diet culture do you want to speak a bit about what this what what have you found freeing but also what have you found really really hard about this process so what was the I think for me my biggest penny drop moment was I'd argued with Jillian session after session how do we know this is working to the point where I would even I would I would even be kind of clenching my fists on the screen and saying how the fuck do we measure this how I am still I'm still I still feel fat how are we measuring this and she said um you know she said Sam what if your body is not the problem 
or uh, was it what what if your weight is not the problem and I was stunned into silence and that doesn't happen very often <laughs> um I was literally stunned into silence what if my body wasn't the problem and it was that I had to take that information and sit with it for such a long time and it literally spun my view on the world full 180 mm. um yeah and I don't think I still haven't been able to quantify how it's worked it's only the odd time now I'll be doing something and I'll think my god I am so pleased I am not embroiled in diet culture anymore. I'll be thinking, I'll pull into the garage for fuel and I'll be on my way, I'll be on my way between, I'll be on a long journey, I'll pull into the garage for fuel and I'll think I'm just going to pick up something. And it's like, because I can. Yeah. And the, the, and the beauty, I don't know if beauty is the right word, the, the, um, a measuring tool for me now is that because I don't want, because I'm not being restricted, I'm not being told what I can and can't have. And because there isn't a quantifiable measuring tool now, I'm actually finding every now and then I'll think, oh, look, there's, there's still sweets there. We've now got a cupboard in the house full of snacks and sweets. And it doesn't bother me at all. And can you see how I even I'm telling you that almost like I want mm. validation that says, my God, you're fixed. And that's and I recognize that. And it's I'm not saying we have a snack cupboard in the house now that it, that can be full and it can stay full because if I want something from it, I'll take it. It's so I just feel so free now. Yeah, it sounds like you know, that you back in when you're deep in dark culture, especially I can imagine when you were deep in like the bodybuilding part of your life, um, you know, being able to just go into a garage and just pick something up without giving it too much thought would never have been able to happen. I can imagine it must have been so strict. Absolutely. That would never have been allowed to happen. If person who buys a snack from the garage is filthy. That was the level of judgment. Mm -hmm. It was like, where is the nutritional value in that? Mm. that is and where's filthy. your self-control? Where are and, and the, the shame, the guilt and the shame, and then the, 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 the cyclical self-flagellation that came off the back of that was enough to catapult you into oh my God, I've broken it now. I must binge and I would binge, mm. I would purge, I would have colonic irrigations, I would take laxatives. So, so much aggression, so much aggression. Mm. And I think now, and and I, it's not all the time, but I now have peace a lot of the time. Yeah. People's opinions still do and will bother me. Mm. Um, I've recently moved areas back to... Um, back to where yeah I've recently moved areas um back to the northeast and when I'm I'm really conscious that when I go out I might see some people who only knew me when I was you know a different shape to what I am now and that took me a little while to get over so it's still there there's still a residue of it there mm -hmm. but as I'm moving through and time's passing I realize it's 
it's my judgment, not theirs. And I'm much more at peace now, much more. Mm. Something that um, I was just reminded of when you were speaking there is um, that I really want to tell the listeners there is no one that I've worked with that knows more about food and nutritional values than Sam. Sam could have a PhD in nutrition and our, 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 the workings of our body, the mechanics of our body, um, fitness, um, diet. I mean, if you could get a degree in dieting, Sam got a first that took a really long time to pick apart and undo because there's this belief that if you know all this, if you've committed the time and the energy and your smartness to this thing, then why am I not winning? Like why, why doesn't that count for something? And actually I think where we got to Sam was, knowing all that is actually a a hindrance to trusting your body right it's a hindrance to actually feeling what's happening it's a hindrance to when I ask questions like what do you like to eat Mm -hmm. and your response would so often be like well this has got this and this is good because of that and it's (laughs) like no 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 how does it taste? How does it make you feel? And those were questions that I don't think anyone had ever asked you before. Mm-hmm. And it took a long time, didn't it? A lot of, and the, and the flip side of that is a lot of the stuff that I used to, um, I would eat stuff that I didn't like because it, it was on the good list. But some of the stuff that I used to self-harm with isn't even actually it's not an issue, it's not a problem, but absolutely agree, Gillian, that nobody had said, what do you like? What do you want? I didn't Mm. know who I was. And I'd been on so many different journeys down so many different avenues, naturopathic and bodybuilding, weight watchers, um, hypnotherapy I'd gone down so many avenues and not one person had said um nobody had questioned what I liked what I didn't like nobody questioned the goal that I was setting with any of the aforementioned professionals um yeah joy in life was measured on the scale and by how aloof I could be because I hadn't I hadn't weakened Mm-hmm. yeah so working with Gillian to find out what I really wanted what I really liked was I don't want to kind of use the quote it was a, like a revelation because it took it, it took a long time it took a real long time to unpick what I genuinely believed I wanted because I recognized that what I wanted was a perfect body I wanted a perfect body because then it would make, it would validate me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so. I think that's so, you know, that resonates with, so, going to resonate with so many people because this is what we, we think is if we have this perfect body that it's going to give us something that's actually, we're just chasing this false kind of sense of security around what we look like. Yeah, I missed you know, being out protecting on- us. 
this the, the the drive for this perfect body whatever that actually is because a perfect body is the one that's working right a one that's serving you yeah and actually I was on this quest this fruitless quest for this this body to be this person to look a certain way that I missed out on so much in life yeah. I missed so much joy I actually got to the point where I couldn't feel joy mm-hmm. Because you're, I guess, just so shut down from kind um, of not tuning into your body, maybe? Not shut down. I wouldn't have said shut down. I would have said more. I was so, I, I cut myself off mm. in, um, I could sit around a table with people and I, I wouldn't engage. I would be, it was almost like I was watching from the periphery and I wouldn't engage because if I engaged and I laughed and I had good fun, that might just soften me just that little bit. And then I would maybe weaken. And I had a goal to achieve, whatever that goal was at that time. Mm -hmm. And fuck, what a nightmare I must be to live with when I'm on one. Absolutely, yeah, pity for everyone around me. (laughs) Can I, do you mind me asking, like, what's your relationship with exercise now? Do you mind speaking about that a bit? No, no, because that's the thing, Tamsin. I love exercise. I love being outside. I love playing out in inverted commas. You know, when you're a kid and you play out and you're, you're on your bike or you're in the streets and you're, you're running around and you're, you're that carefreeness. And I love exercise because it makes me feel good. It makes It's so beneficial for my mental health. I just love being outside. And what I'd done was I'd categorized exercise with alongside diets so when I wasn't on a diet or trying to achieve a goal I wouldn't do any exercise so then my mental health declined and I attributed that at the time to the weight gain but actually it wasn't and now so having worked with Gillian now to do exercise because you like it Mm. to and even the word to do exercise makes it sound like a task even just to enjoy being out yeah just moving your body right absolutely yeah I mean I open water swim now and the thought of doing that you know before I worked with Gillian my god my goodness what in expose myself show my body Mm. in a way that would never happen and to think that I wouldn't have been able to access the joy that comes with that Mm -hmm. um it's it's almost like uh, uh, with the realization where I am now there is a grief not only for you know not only for the body that I had at the time when I was younger that was actually great looking back but then you know there's a grief for the time you've lost there's a grief for the money that you've spent there's a sadness for the for the not a bit I don't know if betrayal's too strong a word, but for the the letdown of all the professionals that you've invested in to validate you, when really the validation should have come from within. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. See, when you were saying earlier about this quest, this absolute single-pointed focused quest for the perfect body, What was it that you thought that perfect body was going to bring you? What was it that you were 
ultimately beyond that perfect body so desperately seeking? Validation, power, sexual adoration. I mean, let's put it all on the table, no holds barred. I wanted to be, yeah, I mean, there's no two ways about it. I wanted to be, I wanted people to look and be like, oh my God, look, she can control herself. And I wanted, I wanted, you know, sexual attention, not to do anything about necessarily, just that adoration that, um, yeah. And, and I, I recognize where that's come from. I grew up in a family, um, we, my family were um, publicans and, um, you know, we grew up in a very, very social hospitality trade. And um, my mum traded enormously off her looks, as is the case when you're at your front of house. And I always thought my mum, when she was made up, when she was slim and had all her lovely clothes on and she was running the pub, I always used to think, my God, she is the most beautiful woman in the world. And I saw that as powerful. Mm-hmm. And as a kid, that I wanted to be this powerful woman with these beautiful long clothes on, you know, these floating layers with this fantastic figure and the huge hair and makeup. And I aspired to be like that. And it's it's when you remove yourself from that and say, well, what did that bring? Was mm-hmm. that not just the uniform of the job, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so in my quest for, for the perfect body, whatever that was at the time, um, I wanted, uh, it was validation. I craved mm. validation yeah. in any form mm. that that came. And the irony being, that made me so vulnerable. Mm. So fucking vulnerable because yeah. it's not going to come from outside. And when it does come, it's going to come from the wrong source. Yeah. That, what you were just speaking to there, it, I, I was modifying my body to gain power, right? To gain power and privilege. And that right there is patriarchy, right? That's how women are conditioned to believe that we gain power through how we look. What you're saying is you were role modeled that your mum's value was, I'm sure in other areas, but what you saw was primarily in how she presented Mm -hmm. and what she got from that, the status that that brought her, the privilege and this in the kind of social hierarchy um so like you know people come to this work like you said at the beginning of this this um recording that you felt like you were broken and flawed and just like there was something wrong with you right Mm -hmm. but there's always we can always trace it back to why did I start feeling that way and it is such a young, innocent, naive part of us that has been, I want to use the word groomed, right? Groomed Absolutely. into this yeah. world where that before you can even voluntarily opt into it, you're starting to believe because this is what you see. So none of this is ever your fault, Sam, anybody else's fault. We find ourselves in these positions and it is always a really innocent response to trying to find safety right trying to find safety and belonging through that validation um and I'm you know there is so much grief but I'm so pleased that at this age when you've still got lots of life ahead of you that you've got to this place of actually 
building that awareness and that recognition as to what has happened to you in your life and now you have a different you can respond differently to what Tams and I talk about all the time these systems of oppression I see what's happening now I see what my response has been Mm -hmm. I understand my strategy it wasn't my fault but I can choose differently now not easy but you've chosen to do something differently now yeah how's that going for you (laughs) it's um I would say that 95% of the time recognizing that the patriarchy is a huge thing because we're talking pubs in the 80s and the 90s where the guys would come in in suits and it is it's the big it's it's the five o'clock guys would come in the workers would come in and to be it's the it's it's going back decades it's Mm. to be met with a, a woman behind the bar you know wonderful and I grew up among that I grew up among um I grew up with my I was with my grandma I lived with my grandma till I was seven for for various reasons and then um I went back home to my mum and my grandma was a very very um she would she was of the rations of the, the, the second world war the rations so I remember her counting out sprouts and pieces of carrot onto a plate because that is how they'd had to be at that time and then I would go and I would have time with my mum who was everything was abundant it was very much um but there was no structure there was no consistency sometimes there would be a meal oftentimes there would be no meal but you would never know which of those times it was Mm -hmm. um one of my earliest memories and I didn't know this at the time, but one of my earliest, earliest memories, I think I was about eight and I'd been at home with my mum for, for a short while and my gran had come to look after us and um, I'd gone to the shop and I bought all the chocolates and I hung, I put them in the pockets of the clothes that were hanging on the washing line because I could, I knew I needed to, the, the sneaking around food, the fear around food, the, the, the fear around being exposed mm-hmm. for wanting mm-hmm. this food. But I look back at that little girl now and I'm like, fuck man, she was just looking for comfort. She was just looking for that warm feeling, that feeling that we all know chocolate gives you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's fascinating. That's in that kind of like you know, scarcity where you don't know whether it's scarce or not on that particular mm-hmm. day. And, you know, of course, you know, how, how resourceful of that little girl, right? Well, yeah, it was just about, you know, get what you can while you yeah. can. Yeah. She yeah. was surviving. She was literally yeah. surviving and, and having done the work with Gillian that I've done and about listening to what your body wants and what it needs. Actually, do you know that, she was just looking for something that she didn't know it, but it made her feel, it gave her comfort. Yeah, made her feel good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And how much those patterns carry right the way through into adulthood, right? And then we blame ourselves for like, what's wrong with me? I can't control myself around food. But that dynamic is set up so early, so young. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I want to wrap up by asking you, this question you'd kind of pinpointed your this quest as being seeking um validation and 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 essentially your place in the world and I think 
tell me if I'm wrong, but I think a lot of your journey has been about trying to understand who you are out with your body and how you look, who is Sam and what's your value. If it's, if it's not about trying to, because we, you know, we all, we all age out of the beauty game, right? We're all aging out of it every day and trying to keep your body so tightly controlled is never actually going to be something that is sustainable for the rest of your life. So with that in mind, what have you discovered about yourself? What, what's been the biggest learning about this journey and what, what's ahead of you? So truth is, I'm still working on that. I still, I'm still working through who I am and what I want. Now that I've got the space to do that, that used to be inhabited by self-flagellation, by reinventing myself, find it. And, and I think this is the hardest part of the work because nobody's work is ever done. And mm-hmm. My journey is still, um, I'm still working that out. I still, I'm still not sure. And I, I would be lying if I said, well, now that I don't, you know, now that I don't sign up to um, diet culture, I, my life's amazing, et cetera, et cetera. But the truth mm-hmm. is, I'm just much more at peace. Mm-hmm. And I've been able to examine things that I wouldn't have had the headspace to do. I've looked at um, my relationship being one, um, my relationship with lots of things, um, not just food, with, with money, with, you know, with material things. Um, yeah, I think as well, I'm just really enjoying the fact that I can exercise and it doesn't matter why mm. I'm just mm. doing it because I really like it. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Me too, Sam, in terms of, you know, I love what you said about removing yourself from diet culture opens up this space and it can be really scary when we actually find nothing in that space. Right. When it's like, well, if I'm not that and I'm, I'm giving up that who the fuck am I? And, and, yeah. and, 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 and thank you so much for saying I'm still in process. I don't mm. know. That's where I am. I'm yeah. still in process. I hope to be forever. Right. I hope to yeah. forever be in process. Yeah. But looking into that void and thinking, God, you know, for me, I'm in my forties and I, and I'm just now, now that that kind of veil of dieting has been taken away from my eyes and I can see more clearly now it's like, what do I want to now rebuild? What do I want the rest of my life to look like? And that's hard. It's really hard. Yeah, it it's is. Really hard. It, it's like it was a full-time job, it, it, but not just 40 hours. It consumed my whole life at the expense of so much else. Mm-hmm. That now that I have um, retired from that work, that. it's almost like, yeah, retired from diet culture. And it's just like yeah I might consider a bit of consultancy I'm not looking I I, metaphorically I mean consultancy in terms of sometimes I think well you know we've got Christmas coming up maybe January would be a good time and it's still gonna yeah diet culture is still there there'll be a wedding invitation comes through the door or there'll be an event that I'm you know advised of and it will kick back in 
Yeah. Because yeah, yeah. it's what I've, it's been my career mm-hmm. yeah. for so long. But like, yeah, the space that the time that I now have, I still don't know who I am, but I'm not scared. I'm not scared yeah. anymore. Yeah. You're not trying to fill that silence or fill that space and actually enjoying that peace. Yeah. And just not, I, lo- I love how you describe that retiring from it because it's a full time job, right? And yeah. especially, mm-hmm. you know, with your story, like you're saying, really a full time job and then some, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing. We're all works in progress. And, you know, I would never have been able to sit at peace with that statement. I would need to know, but where are we going? Who do we want mm-hmm. to be? What are the rules? Yeah, what, where, what's the goal? What, what's that mm. number? Tell me that number. What? When do we need to achieve it by? And now it's very much like, yeah, we're just here. We're just here. We're just going into, we're at the beach. We're going into the water. We're enjoying, we're swimming. We're in the hills mm-hmm. because we can. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much, Sam. I, I know our listeners will get a huge amount from your story and um, thanks for sharing it with us and um, we will see you next time. Yeah, thank you so much, Sam. Thank you. Pleased to meet you, Tamsin. Thank you. Yeah, and you.